Thanks, guys. I'll say, bless the Lord, if you'll say, oh, my soul, bless the Lord. Bless his holy name. And since we are on this side of Easter, I'll say he's risen. And if you'll say he's risen indeed. He's risen. risen Amen. Uh, Good evening. I'm Chris. I'm the pastor here at Kairos. Um, If you're new or just kind of getting to know us, as Matt explained earlier, we'll do Eucharist about once every five weeks uh, in an attempt to make this the center of our service. So, we good? Yeah. Flash flood? All right. I was trying my hardest to go through it like a preacher, but my phone is vibrating, I'm hearing alarms, and I'm telling myself, don't panic. (laughs) But I did. If anybody needs strong leadership, Stephanie is in the room somewhere, so. Amen. (laughs) Well, good. Uh, If you're new with us, uh, uh, yeah, you'll come back for something besides the preaching, hopefully. Um, We love to center uh, the service around the Eucharist table. And Eucharist is just a Greek term for thanksgiving. And so we're just so thankful that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. So it's called the Lord's Supper, it's called communion. I just happen to love that Greek word because I feel like it's mysterious and majestic. And it reminds us that that's the Apostle Paul's word to kind of refer to the Eucharist meal. It's literally at the beginning of Jesus instituting the Passover into the new covenant. He says he gave thanks. And so that's Eucharist. Jesus is giving thanks for the family he's gonna be able to adopt. And we're giving thanks that we've been adopted into his family. And so we're just going to take our time. I loved hearing you guys sing. Sounds like a great family voice. And I can't wait for us uh, to continue to get after it. And one of the things I love about Kairos is when our family gets together, uh, there's a lot of different families represented. We have people with different church backgrounds, no church backgrounds, different denominations, but we all come underneath the banner of Jesus. And if you've been a part of a Eucharist service or a Lord's Supper service before, you know there's a lot of different ways to take it. But what matters most for us in here tonight is that we're able to be patient and present long enough to linger at the table, recline our soul, and incline our ear to our Savior to hear what he might whisper in our ears, to remind us that his steadfast love is better than life. Now, I know that may sound somewhat poetic and nice and belongs somewhere on a Hallmark card with spiritual emphasis, but that's easier said than done, isn't it? I don't know about you, but it's easy to get hurried and hectic real quick. I'm sure you guys uh, getting here was difficult. I don't know if you're like me. You wanna tell every Nashvilleian, it's just rain, it's okay. That's what the wiper blades are for, please keep driving. Um, And so I I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know where the busy and broken areas are in your life, but more and more I'm realizing being patient and present before the Lord is a spiritual discipline that takes an incredible amount of effort. And so I, I think we deal with that. And I also think that the disciples were dealing with that in the text we're gonna read tonight. They may not have had the technology or the traffic problems that we have, but Don't forget, they're in a hectic schedule with Jesus's ministry coming to a crescendo. They're arriving in Jerusalem 
and it's swollen three times its normal size for the Passover festival. And so I'm sure they're, they're frantically racing in their minds and they're trying to figure out, okay, where are we gonna go? What are we gonna do? Jesus has not told anybody about his plans. So they're making plans for him to fail and try to figure out, okay, what if we don't have a place to stay? And they arrive in Jerusalem and realize Jesus has made no reservations. And I don't know what that feels like for you. Maybe it's, hey, you're out in downtown on a Friday or Saturday night and you happen to have a group of 12 or 13 and you walk into a busy and hectic restaurant and someone points to you and says, go get us a table for 13 people. And you walk up to the hostess and you just know this is not gonna go well. Uh, Hey, table of 13, please, possibly, maybe. Anybody work in the food service industry? Have you been that hostess on a Friday or Saturday night when the large group comes in? And some dude rolls up and he's impatient and persistent. And he's like, yeah, table of 13. Is that gonna be like two or five minutes? Which one's it gonna be? And you're thinking, bro, I can get two of your friends at the bar not sitting next to each other, a table for three by the bathrooms and the rest of y'all have to go to McDonald's. Like, it's just not gonna happen. And here comes Jesus and his group of disciples in a crowded Passover festival into Jerusalem. And what the disciples don't realize is even though Jesus has made no reservations, they have a lot of reservations about his plans and his timetable and the ability of their faith to adjust to what he sees that they have not yet seen. And so if you have your Bibles, we'll be reading our text tonight in Luke chapter 22. We'll be in Luke chapter 22. We'll start in verse seven. As you guys are turning there, I'll pray for us. Father, would you enable us as your family to come to your table and be unified? Father, underneath the banner of Jesus, we want to be brothers and sisters who advance your kingdom. We ask us now that you would feed us with your spiritual food, both from your word and from your Eucharist meal. And so we ask Jesus that you would go before us in this text and make a way Holy Spirit, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? And together we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Amen? Luke chapter 22, and we'll start in verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. (laughs) I'm sorry, it's just humorous. I have a wife who's a planner, so I can feel the tension in this text. Where do you want us to prepare for it, they asked. (laughs) Listen to this, this is awesome. He replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters. Say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room all furnished, make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. I'll say the word of the Lord if you'll say thanks be to God. The word of the Lord. 
Jesus has gone before them and made a way yet again. The disciples find a room that's fully furnished. Now I imagine even once they got to the room and were amazed at the ability for Jesus to provide in ways that they couldn't see, I'm sure they're still full of distractions. I'm sure their minds are still racing. I'm sure their heart's still full of deceptive ideas because we'll find out later they're gonna get into an argument about who's the greatest in the kingdom of God and how they can outdo one another. But then Jesus says to them, after it says the hour had come, I have eagerly and earnestly desired to eat this meal with you. And he reclines with his friends. Could it be that that's Jesus's desire for his family here tonight? That he eagerly and earnestly desires to meet you at the Eucharist table? Could it be that one of the most spiritual things that you'll do tonight is simply to be patient and present as we partake of the elements? And could it be that Jesus's heart for us tonight is simply as a family to take your time? That phrase, uh, ironically, I now love, I used to hate it, take your time. Um, because as an ADD, learning disabled, hyperactive, impulse control problem child, I heard that phrase a lot. Take your time, think before you act, Christopher. Right, when it goes up like that, you just, <laughs> you know. Um, I, I imagine my parents and my teachers were fatigued and frustrated all the time at the automatic assault rifle of my actions and attitudes and words, right? You just don't know where it's gonna spray or who it's gonna hit, and they're like, take your time, kid. But that phrase got totally redeemed for me um, when I was in seminary and I was in my first preaching class with Dr. Smith, whom some of you have had an opportunity to meet when he came here to preach. And um, this ball of energy and insecurity I believe God was calling me to preach, but I didn't sound like most preachers. I didn't feel like I was as smart as most of the kids in my class. But I, I knew that there was fire in my bones and I loved what I was learning. And I wanted to show my teacher, my students and other people that I was a worthy investment that God could make. And so I step up to the front of the class and I mean, I just have a hijack of adrenaline, nervous energy and insecurity. And I've spent like 60 hours preparing a 12 minute sermon and I'm determined to convince everybody that I belong here and I just launch into it, man. I mean, I just start assaulting verbally at a breakneck pace. I start doing laps around the center. He would later tell me I burnt a hole in the carpet and I'm like, none taken. But I'm 30 seconds into it and I hear it in the back right corner of the room where Dr. Smith sat in a deep baritone voice that was full of compassion and yet commanding. Take your time, son. Take your time. And immediately, I took a deep breath. My spirit calmed, and I realized I was prepared and ready for this moment, and I learned how to pace myself. And I wound up coming to use that phrase in other places because it meant so much to me that he would help regulate me. So not three or four months later, my father unexpectedly dies. I'm there getting ready to do the funeral service. My brother is up giving the eulogy of my father. My brother is a lot like me in the fact that he's emotional. 
He's unlike me in the fact that he's uncomfortable with it. And so he gets up and he's nervous and grieving um, and, and all those things are expected and okay. But I can tell that it's bothering him the way that he's speaking, how fast he is and all the emotion in his voice. And so I summon my inner Dr. Smith and in the middle of my dad's funeral, I say, take your time, Chad, take your time. And he pauses and delivers a beautiful eulogy and pulls me aside later and says, you'll never know how much that meant. It really helped calm me down. This is a phrase that I love to give my children. When our families gathered around our table, it is fast and furious, okay? It is trying to have a spiritual moment with a discipline moment, with an interruption moment, with a, I don't like this food and me repenting and believing nine times and rededicating my life as I try to father our children. <laughs> but there are times when they reflect my own behavior to me. It's really interesting. Um, when we'll ask them about their day, sometimes they'll just start trying to get everything in about their excitement or their disappointment. And at my best, I'll just look at them in the eyes and say, take your time, daughter, take your time. I'm not going anywhere. I'm inclined to you. I'm reclined with you. I want to hear all the details. Those are on my best days. On my worst days, it's bottom line me, okay? I got to... <laughs> Mac and cheese is getting cold, all right? <laughs> I also reflexively say that to my wife or to the Kairos team when I hear, hey, Chris, I just wanted to encourage you or give you this compliment. And before I realize what's coming out of my mouth, I'm like, take your time. Don't rush this. We have all day. Whatever's coming next is unimportant, okay? It's, it's all you. Is everyone paying attention? Because they're about to compliment me, Okay. <laughs> I don't have approval issues. <laughs> I wonder if that's not our Savior's heart tonight as we come to the table. Take your time, child. Take your time. I'm not rushing you. As a matter of fact, I'm reclined and I'm inclined towards you. I want to hear your hopes, your dreams, your fears, your failures. Bring them all to the table. And understand that my body and my blood will transform everything. And so hopefully as we come tonight, in just a couple minutes, I'm going to walk up to the table. And I'm going to say words from scripture and from church history that have been said for about thousands of years. And I'm going to have to remind myself when I say those rich words for me to take my time so that we can together salivate and savor over the story that binds us together and allows us to call one another family. I'm done, we'll all come down to these four tables and we'll invite you to come. Take your time. There will be a line so you can take your time, it's okay. Experience perhaps while you're waiting the power and the presence of your brothers and sisters gathered around being unified by the body and blood of Jesus. We'll have our prayer counselors stand by the back prayer walls if you need to take your time and pray beforehand. We had them up front usually, but then it gets really, really crowded and congested, so we'll just ask them to go back towards the prayer wall. And if you need to take your time and pray and get some things right, no rush. The table is here and it's set for you. When you walk forward, there will be a little wafer with a cross embossed on it. 
And if you'll just put your hands out like this, one on top of the other, in a posture of receiving, one of your brothers or sisters will place a wafer in your hand and either say, the body of Christ or the bread of heaven. Take your time. Look them in the eye. Try to soak up the sacredness and the holiness of that moment. You don't have to rush. When you get it, don't eat it, okay? <laughs> Save it, because that's happened before. That's a little bit awkward. <laughs> I absolutely had somebody come to the cup and go, not cool. We're just, uh, I'm all about a common cup, but that's pushing it. Um, there's extras if we need it, just in case you're a sinner like that. It's okay, there's forgiveness. If that's you, it's an awesome story. I love it. Yeah, it's great. Um, take your time, come over. Next up is the cup. And your brother or sister will look you in the eyes and say to you, the blood of Christ or the cup of salvation. Then you'll take a wafer and you'll dip it in the cup. Take your time. Let it absorb as much of the wine as possible so that you can symbolically absorb as much of the love of Christ as possible. And then don't run off to your seat. You don't have to eat it on the run. It's not a drive-through, it's a walk-up, okay? We can take our time, we're not rushed. Put it in your mouth and let your taste buds inform you of the theological reality. Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. Let it permeate your soul, let it inform your mind, and let it transform your body from one degree of glory to the next because of your faith in Jesus Christ. So we're gonna come and we're gonna take our time. And I understand when we take our time, one of the reasons sometimes we rush through this is because we kind of don't know what to do. We're coming forward. It, it seems pretty religious and sacred and holy and it gets a little bit awkward sometimes. And a lot of times you just wanna say something back. I would say since Eucharist means thank you and thanksgiving, the most appropriate response if you want to, if the silence is too much to bear, simply look at your brother or sister who's given it to you and say, thanks be to God. When they offer you the wafer, thanks be to God. After the cup of salvation, thanks be to God. An altogether biblical and appropriate response. We say thanks be to God because Psalm 41 reminds us that Jesus has called us by name and he summoned you and he's calling you to the table tonight. We say thanks be to God because we realize that Psalm 107 says this, that he will satisfy the longings of your soul and the hungry soul he will feed with good things. And we say thanks be to God as a response in Song of Solomon too. My beloved is mine and I am his. And so together we come to the table and we will take our time and we will thank God for it. Amen. In just a second, I'll take us through our liturgy and there will be some places for you guys on the screen to respond, to participate in our Eucharist service. While we're taking Eucharist, if you have any more questions about how or why or what, we have a sheet where we've printed all that information out about how we take it, why we take it, and the biblical references for that. So those are available right next to the prayer wall if that's a resource you, you wanna avail yourself of.
We have our slides. Bless the Lord who forgives all of our sins. Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open, all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's take a minute to confess our sins against God and against our neighbor. Let us all pray together. Most merciful God. such a beautiful corporate confession of sin. I don't know about you, but I love when there's the us word because we're a family and it's not just enough for me to be right with God. I need my brothers and sisters to be right with God. On the night he was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took the bread and when he had given thanks, Eucharist for it, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples And he said, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the supper, he took the cup of wine. And when he had given thanks, Eucharist, he gave it to them and said, drink this, all of you. This is the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. The gifts of God for the people of God, take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on them in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. Amen.